welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Welcome, everyone, to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today, we have Amy and Marla and Bish and Craig and Chris and Lou. Welcome, everyone. Good to have Amy back. How was your trip, ma'am? Fill us in. I know oh you went to Iceland for vacation. Iceland. Yes, yeah. Iceland. Um, absolutely spectacular. Um, I didn't get, we um, didn't get to see the Northern Lights, but, you know, the God of my understanding said, maybe you won't see the Northern Lights, but here, the volcano will erupt for you. So you can see that instead. Okay. So yeah, I got to see a volcano erupting in the distance at night. It was just beyond words, beyond words. Um, Just the weather in Iceland, if you don't like it, wait five minutes. Um, It'll be different. Um, So if you ever get an opportunity to travel there, dress in layers and be prepared. (laughs) Yeah, it was just unbelievable. Um, And then I got to have lunch in New York, well, New Jersey, with a couple of fourth dimensioners. So that was pretty cool on the way back. Now, Craig uh, mentioned last week you were getting a tattoo. Tell us, you got a tattoo while you were there? Yes, I did. A hand poke tattoo. So not with the guess? Can we guess what it was? Can we guess what it was? Sure. Because I had, just we talked about the volcano. I thought it was going to be a big volcano on your back, just coming up there between your shoulder blades and then just erupting all of you and you're going to have like ash and fire and that coming down the back of your shoulders. That's what I thought it was going to be. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> it would have oh. taken months. Um, yeah, I wasn't there that long, but um, yeah, that would have taken several sessions. Um, and I already have an angel on my back like that. So um Anyway, I got um, a symbol called a Vegvisir, and it's um, it it's a symbol, an old Viking symbol that um, kind of means you you won't get lost. You'll always find your way through the storms, even when you don't know the way. So, um, kind of uh, spiritual, and you know, for us in in recovery, it can certainly mean um, the Tao, the way, right? Kind of cool. Um, and then, um, there's some other little pieces to it too, but, um, that was the, uh, another little piece that's real personal. So, um, Good. anyway, yeah. Good. Did you get, uh, to go to a meeting or anything while you, I knew you had family. I, yes, but I did. I always make a point to, um, or try to anyway, but yeah, I did get to go to an English speaking meeting there. It was one of three girls in a very small room of many, many big burly Viking men. <laughs> that was fun. Um, and I don't know why they all think I have this accent and they can tell me exactly where I'm from. <laughs> I start talking to like, are you from the South? No. What makes you think that? Um, so yeah, it was, um, it was, it was good. It was good. AA straight from the book. We read, um, they were reading chapter five, you know, how it works, the second half of it. So, um, got a good old meeting on set four and five. It was, it was good. 
Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it, ma'am. Good to have you back. Thank you. The story for today is the importance of being toothless. Yeah. Any comments before we read? Okay. Marla, will you read for us, ma'am? I didn't ask you before, but you... Um, I'm prepared. Okay. Thank you. Um, the importance of being toothless. I'm going to butcher the names, okay? But I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Um, Nietzsche, who had no teeth, came to Pi and asked for a lesson on Tao. In parentheses, maybe he could he could bite on that. So Pi began, first gain control of the body and all its organs, then control the mind, attain one-pointedness, then the harmony of heaven will come down and dwell in you. You will be radiant with life. You will rest in Tao. You will have the simple look of a newborn calf. Oh, lucky you, you will not even know the cause of your state. But long before Pi had reached this point in his sermon, the toothless one had fallen asleep. His mind just could not bite on the meat of the doctrine. But Pi was satisfied. He wandered away singing, his body is dry like an old leg bone, his mind is dead as dead ashes, his knowledge is solid, his wisdom true, in deep dark night he wanders free, without aim and without design. Who could compare with this toothless man? Thank you, Marla. So many. Comments? I'd just like just to comment on the humor of it all. where. Um, Chunks is I think it's Chunks who he says maybe he could bite on that and he's a toothless man. Or the other part, his mind could just not bite on that on the meat of the doctrine. Well, he's toothless. I just it's like about that. being spiritually toothless, not physically toothless. Yeah, I I I know that. Yeah, that's what you're saying though, Marl. Yeah, yeah. It's not about something physical, it's about spiritually being toothless. But what exactly does being spiritually toothless mean? That's a good question, too. I had that same question. Spiritually toothless. Without form? Well. Not rigid? But it, it kind of means you can't bite on and chew on a, the doctrines and you can't understand what they mean because you can't. You shouldn't overanalyze them and just... Maybe it means not holding on to thoughts. Like a dog, because she sat there with this dog. Now a dog holds on to a bone. Maybe it's like that with your thinking. Maybe just not holding on to thoughts, resentments, angers, fears. Just that, just thought. What I thought was interesting was, so um, Pi, or however you say his name, He's, he's telling how to do this. Here's, here's how you do it. You gain control of your body, all the organs. Then you control your mind and attain one-pointedness. Then the harmony of heaven. And he goes through with the, like the instructions for doing it. And meanwhile, the old toothless there, he just falls asleep and got it. <laughs> he didn't have to do, he didn't have to control his body and all his organs and that kind of stuff. He, he didn't, didn't have to bite into that. He just kind of came by it naturally, emptied himself out without all the instructions. So maybe the harder you try to grasp something to to get it to understand it, the 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 harder it is to understand. 
That's what they say about the Tao. The more you look for it, try to understand it. It's not a rational process, right? It's not a thinking process. The teeth aren't the tools. Chewing into it and dissecting it is, you know, those teeth teeth are useless tools when it comes to that. Well, like our story last week. When knowledge goes north? uh, Yeah, when knowledge goes north. But it wasn't that they would know and not tell you it's that words are inadequate to convey so it's different you know it's a, it can't be conveyed by words I've got another little story here that kind of explains that this is from Dropping Ashes on the Buddha it's a new book that I'm reading for a study group um, this is number three the Dharma is too expensive the Dharma would be the Tao, the wisdom. So um, once a student came to this particular Zen master and said, Master, please teach me the Dharma. Hang Pong is the is the Zen master's name. He said, I'm sorry, but my Dharma is very expensive. How much does it cost? Well, how much can you pay? And the student put his hand in his pocket and took out some coins. This is all the money I have. Even if you offered me a pile of gold as big as a mountain, my dharma would still be too expensive. So the student went off to practice Zen. After a few months of training, he returned and asked, Master, I will give you my life, and I will do anything for you. I will be your slave. Please teach me. The master said, even if you offered me a thousand lives, my dharma would still be too expensive. Quite dejected, the student went off again. After several more months of hard training, he returned and said, I will give you my mind. Will you teach me now? The master said, your mind is a pail of stinking garbage. I have no use for it. And even if you offered me 10,000 minds, my dharma would still be too expensive. Again, the student left to do hard training. Now he's praying. He's training hard now. After some time, he came to an understanding that the whole universe is empty. So he returned to the master and said, now I understand how expensive your dharma is. The master said, how expensive is it? And the student shouted, they said, cots, which is just, he just shouted at them. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a way to convey in Zen that nothingness, you know. And the master said, no, it's more expensive than that. This time when he left, the student was thoroughly confused and in deep despair. He vowed not to see the master again until he had attained the supreme awakening. Eventually, that day came and he returned. Master, now I truly understand. The sky is blue. The grass is green. No, 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 said the master. My dharma is even more expensive than that. At this, the student grew furious. I already understand. I don't need your dharma. You can take it and shove it up your ass. (laughs) That's what it says. And the master laughed. That made the student even angrier. He wheeled around and stomped out of the room. Just as he was going out the door, the master called to him. Wait a minute. That student turned his head. Don't lose my dharma, said the master. Upon hearing these words, the student was enlightened. You can take it and shove it up your 
ass. I don't want your dharma. See, at the at the point that he quit trying, he got it. Well, and that may be part of this with um, night. Nai Chu, or however you say his name, Chu. <laughs> That's right. Chu list, maybe. Because um, I saw him in, uh, in Chang Zhu before. There's one story where he's talking to Wang Ni, who is a student of, of Pai. And he's asking him these questions, and Wang Ni is saying, How would I know? How would I know? And he keeps asking his questions, and how would I know? And finally, Wang Ni says, You know, um, people say that um, Mao Ching and Lady were beautiful, but if a fish saw them, he would dive to the bottom of the stream. If birds saw them, they would fly away. And if a deer saw them, they would break into a run. Of these four, which knows how to fix the standard for beauty in the world? The way I see it, the rules of benevolence and righteousness and the paths of light, right and wrong are hopelessly snarled and jumbled. How could I know anything about such discriminations? And then there's another story with this guy, before he's toothless, I guess. And um, again, he's talking to um, Wang Ni, and he's asking him these four questions. He keeps asking these questions, asking these questions. And Wang Ni says, how would I know? He's he's the teacher. How would I know? And finally, it says that uh, um, Nai Chi starts starts dancing and laughing around like he finally realized that there isn't any answer to it. So maybe by the time he got to the master himself, he'd figured that out and just took a nap. <laughs> but it's interesting how he how he's this character comes up in the stories and he's always asking these questions and looking for answers and trying to figure things out. And here he comes up and he's just like, eh, I'm going to take a nap. He just falls asleep in the middle of it, right? My first impression of this was people who live life with no cares. I think of Walmart when I think of that. You know, the people who get their checks, shuffle in in their pajamas and house slippers and, you know, live by the week or by the month and don't have all these big attainments. And sometimes I think, hmm, I used to think, I wish I could be like that, but I just can't. I have to strive and try to get ahead and, get more things and more, you know, all of that. So I I almost admire, well, I really do admire at that time, people who could not, who were not in the race was my, that was my first impression with this story. When I was looking at it purely from a physical standpoint and then from a spiritual standpoint, for me, uh, this would be letting go. Um, this would be um, moving past that point of achieving spiritually as well. So it looks here too. Uh, Pi also said that his knowledge is solid and his wisdom is true. The guy that went to sleep that wasn't, you know, they couldn't even concentrate enough to stay on what was being talked about. That that was true and solid knowledge and wisdom. He wanders free without aim and without design. Who can compare with this toothless man? I think of the need to know, freedom from, freedom from needing to know. That's what I thought about with that. From having to figure it out. Back to the same things that 
are described just multiple ways because it is that simple with with this practice is just about learning how to surrender and being in the moment taking life as it comes rather than by our design and our control do you think about this stuff when you're in walmart i just do you this because sometimes I, and i wonder uh I don't now that much now, but I, I've, I just, I don't get aggravated that much there anymore either, Greg. It's not okay. a place of aggravation. Is that where you were going? No, no. The, the reason I was asking was because just when you're talking there, I had flashbacks to, to things like Karate Kid when he was doing all his training. So he's wax on, wax off and all these other things like Jean-Claude Van Damme. He's all doing all this training. I'm thinking about you doing all your spiritual Zen training. I can just see you getting plumped in the middle of Walmart and told just to observe and not react to anything that's going on around you. Just wondering how long it would... What's, what's the longest you've ever had to endure? Well, not that there's anything wrong with Walmart. I just want to put it out there that, you know, it's, it's Buddy that has the issue with Walmart, not everybody else. <laughs> I don't have that much of an issue anymore. I, I've got this app now on my phone. And I use the Walmart app and I check myself out as I go. And so when I get to the counter, I just hit one button and it does it for me. I don't have to wait in line anymore. So I did that so that I could uh, tolerate Walmart, Craig. But yeah, it's uh, it's an adventure for me. Now, I'll think about the, the 20th verse with this. I'm going to read the uh, Stephen Mitchell version. Yeah, so Craig, we read this this morning, the 20th, you read it this morning, the 21st. So what were we talking about? We, we were talking about the, the 64th, was it? Because we're, we're talking about every every journey starts with a thousand, every journey of a thousand miles starts with the feet. And it's talking about, um, and yeah, it was, 64 talks about grasping at things as well, not being able to, hold, he who grasps loses, and that sort of thing. So that kind of tied into this one as well. So it's kind Sorry. of spooky, isn't it? It's, 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 it's spooky how that happens. It's happened several times. Do you think Buddy's copying our meetings? Somebody's listening in. Found my secret, Craig. Okay. Stop thinking and end your problems. What difference between yes and no? What difference between success and failure? Most you value what others value. Avoid what others avoid. How ridiculous. Other people are excited as though they were at a parade. I alone don't care. I alone am expressionless like an infant before it can smile. Other people have what they need. I alone possess nothing. I alone drift about like someone without a home. I'm like an idiot. My mind is so empty. Other people are bright. I alone am dark. Other people are sharper. I alone am dull. Other people have a purpose. I alone don't know. I'm depressed now. I drift like a wave on the ocean. I blow an a- I, I blow as aimless as the wind. I am different from ordinary people. I drink from the great mother's breasts. You know, anyone on the outside looking at learning this way of life, it does not look attractive. You know, it's not something that um, 
is an attractive thing to to live this way. Um, this way of surrender is what I'm saying, which is, or or look at look at recovery, look at all the paradoxes that we see there with how in the world can it help me by letting go? Who wants to be toothless? You know, who who wants to surrender? No one does. And from the outside, it can look, it can look like defeat. When of course we, we know what happens when we do surrender, the weaker we get, the stronger we become and how well it works for us. And that works from that, from the inside out, you know, we have this, this change that starts within and works its way out, not from the outside in. So as we're changing and accepting these things and starting to live differently, the outside is the last thing that changes. We're already making those changes within way before it gets outward. Comments, guys? I really like the Ron Hogan translation of verse 20. You want to read it? Yep. Okay, go ahead. Don't spend too much time thinking about stupid shit. Why should you care if people agree or disagree with you? Why should you care if others find you attractive or not? Why should you care about things that worry others? Call bullshit on all that. Let other people get worked up and try to enjoy themselves. I'm not going to give myself away. A baby doesn't know how to smile, but it's still happy. Let other people get excited about stuff. I'm not going to hang on to anything. I'm not going to fill my mind with ideas. I'm not going to get stuck in a rut, tied down to any one place. Other people are clever. I guess I must be stupid. Other people have goals. I guess I must be aimless, like the wind or the waves. I'm not like other people. I'm getting right with the Tao. Exactly. That's good. Thank you, Amy. Mm -hmm. I thought that described perfectly what this story. You know, I had a real experience with this. Um, we had, <laughs> it, it's kind of interesting too, because whenever I go on a, a, a trip like this, um, I have an itinerary and it's planned to the probably ridiculous minute. Um, and some people may look at that and go, gosh, that's a lot of effort. A lot of, you know, a lot goes, a lot of thought and whatever. I want to be able to maximize the time that I have. I don't want to miss anything, of course, right? I'm going to miss something, the fear of missing out, right? But what I've also learned through this whole journey, especially with, with um, studying of the, the Tao specifically, is sometimes it's just not supposed to go that way, right? Sometimes it's just not supposed to go the way I think it should. So there was one specific thing that my sister and I were, were supposed to do that was on the itinerary that we bought tickets for in a tour. And, and, um, the company, we were supposed to go to the glacier lagoon. The company canceled the tour because of the weather and because of seismic activity and, you know, this just unforeseen circumstances. Right. And my sister got pretty upset. She got really upset in the moment and she just, you know, she just, and I love, she's not one of us, but I love that she gives herself like a 24 hour pity party, but I wasn't, I was like, no, that's too long. We only have a few days. You're not going to get a whole one to yourself. Nope. Sorry. Um, 
But you know, I was able to immediately go to, well, what if we were on that bus and, you know, a glacier, a piece of a rock or glacier broke off and hit the bus and it crashed. And what if the whole, you know, I mean, like, I was just like, there's a real reason that we weren't able to go on this tour. Then she got all in her feels about not being able to see the Northern Lights. And then the volcano erupted. So I was able to immediately say things to her like, it is what it is. Um, we learned a new phrase there too, tataretas, which is Icelandic for it'll all work out in the end. I kept hearing that. And I'm like, what are you saying? What are these people saying? And I finally got a person to teach it to me. And I just immediately thought, that's where I'm trying to be. I'm getting right with Dow. It'll all work out in the end. It is what it is. And what new experience do I get in place of the ones I thought that I was supposed to have? Why am I trying to limit what the universe wants to do for me, with me, through me by being in control? Pretty neat experience for sure. Thanks, Amy. That's good. If you look at that verse, what Pi was talking about, it's interesting what the promises that he says that thou would do for in your life. Harmony, radiant with life, rest, simple look. You will not even know the cause of this. <laughs> I mean, that that's not the kind of things that if I ever prayed to God for something, I didn't pray for those. That's not the things I prayed for. And he says, it's even to the point that you won't even know why you feel way. Oh, that's what I'm hearing out of that. You won't even know the cause of your state. And then he stopped when he saw that he was asleep. He didn't even finish his statement. But that's really what the Tao for me is all about, is me learning to rest, me learning to be at peace, me learning to let go, me learning to surrender, me learning that rather than me having to push to get my way or to make something happen, I'm more in my way than anything. That the problem is not that I'm not doing enough. The problem is probably because I'm doing too much. See, that's the problem. And so he just reiterates that here, the, the things he says the, the, the Tao would bring about in life, this path of surrender, this path of letting go, is all the things that we really need and not know that we need, even to the point of not even, not even knowing how it works or, or what in our last story, how to even respond. Remember in the last story, they talked about responding. I'm going to pull that up. When knowledge went north, um, the speechless one, it says that he did not even know how to reply. That's what this is talking about. Not even know why. It's not that being as we learn how to walk in the Tao, we start having understanding. It's that we, we learn to just give up the need 
to understand. The need to know. We're giving up that desire is what it is. Or that fear, probably. The fear of not knowing. I mean, who wants to be aimless? Blown about like the wind. Blown about like the wind blowing a, a boat, a rudderless boat. But that's a description of someone following the Tao. It, it appears like it's just a lazy man's way out, you know. It feels that, you know, to an outsider, it may look like, oh, you, you guys are lazy. You're just going to empty your minds and do nothing. But it's really not. There's so much to be done. Emptying the mind and changing well, the way you think. Once we surrender, Marla, then uh, uh, we can see a path more clearly as to what we really need to do that we can't see as long as we're pushing, 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 trying to get our way. We, we just can't see it. We're not open to, to what's there in front of us because of that. And I think that's the whole point of this. Actually, I have a friend who's um, a yoga teacher who for I've known her for 20 years. And she's always said, I don't know what my Dharma is. I don't know what my Dharma is. I don't know what to do. And, you know, 20 years later, she's still saying the same thing. And so I, I looked at her, I said, you are, you're living your dharma. You're just living. You're doing what you're, you're doing what you're doing. That's your dharma. It's not so complicated. Amen, sister. Doesn't have to be so complicated. We always get in our own way, don't we? So stop thinking and end all your problems. You know the story of the fisherman and the, he was sitting on the side of the creek, you know, just uh, lounging around and a bit, businessman came up to him and said, uh, what's your job? And he said, oh, I'm a fisherman. Why aren't you out fishing? You should be fishing all the time so you can get all this money and retire and um, then you can do anything you want. And the fisherman said, well, what do you think I'm doing? Sounds like ideal. I think it's about getting to a place, thanks, Chris, where we're living that rather than thinking we're going to achieve it one day or work toward something. Mm -hmm. That we're in the middle of it right now. Yeah. If we're putting if off life... <clears throat> That's the mistake. Chris, you got something? Well, it's like, it's, and what if you work, do this work for this imaginary goal and it doesn't actually happen? Uh, you've wasted, perhaps, wasted a, a lot of time getting trying to get somewhere that you never achieved. And that's, that. Uh, you know, it's certainly need to be happy doing what you're doing. That's what I'm trying to say here yeah Lou you have something what Chris was saying just remind me uh, I had a two guys that were in the same uh, two guys that when they retired they had the same job and when they when one retired he died within six months everybody's saying oh man you can't maybe you should have retired earlier and had more time to enjoy things and then the guy that took that position uh, took his position retired and died within six weeks. He had pancreatic cancer and he's, 
he goes on this cruise and he's losing weight and he says, that's not right. And he dies. He, he retires, go on a cruise and dies. And everybody's saying to me, Oh, you gotta, maybe you should think about retiring. So you have more time. Cause I, cause I took that position next and I'm like, no, 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 I'm enjoying every day. I'm not waiting until I retire, um, to enjoy life. But so many people push that off. You know, someday I'll do this, or someday, someday I'll do that, or I'll get to a point where I can just sit back and relax. It's like, yeah, fall asleep now, take your nap now, and enjoy things now. Like, you know, my parents are aging, and just little things like enjoying go, going out for lunch with my mom, which I never used to do. Mm-hmm. Those are life's moments that I will think about on my deathbed. You know, thank mm-hmm. God I get to spend more time with my mom. Not, God, I got the new Mercedes. Fucking awesome. <laughs> I don't want a Mercedes, by the way. And these lines on the, the end of that story, I think, or if, if there's a goal, it says, in deep, dark night, he wanders free without aim and without design. Why is it in the deep, dark night instead of the full light of the day? My thinking would be that he says deep, dark night, because that is the time that you would be the most afraid, not the middle of the day. That he wanders free in the middle of the night, or maybe he can see his way in the deep, dark, without fear. That's what I was thinking. Okay, that makes sense. Thank you for clarifying. That's that's just my thought. It could be totally wrong. Without aim, without design. Goes back to that thing you were talking about, Amy, of how sometimes we get so upset when our plans get changed. When you know our plans are going to change, whether we approve of it or not, it's going to happen. So we might as well enjoy the change, or we can get upset about it, and the result's going to be the same, except. We're going to be angry and without our peace. Yeah. Anything else, guys? Yeah. Yeah. Um, You will have the simple look of a newborn calf. Um, That made me think of, um, well, in the reference to the baby, right? Wherever that was. Um, Children just know they're going to be taken care of. Children just know. They're going to be fed and clothed and comforted and loved and nurtured, right? And and they don't have to worry about things like the bills being paid or the covers being warm or the water coming on. And so I think for me, so much of this journey is getting back to that childlike faith that everything's going to be okay, regardless. And then that reminded me of in the big book where it talks about, you know, deep down in every man and woman, man, woman, and child, I think is, is the fundamental idea. Um, It may be obscured, obscured by pomp, by calamity, by worship of other things or whatever else it says, but it's there. And so my innocence as a child um, was really kind of tainted by other people's views and and the world. And now this unlearning is getting me back to 
acceptance and surrender and all the things that we're talking about. And the deep dark night, I thought meant that's when it's quiet, calm. There's no noise of, of the hustle and bustle of the day, the stillness of the deep dark night. That's what I thought about. Thank you, Amy. That's good. Bish, you have something, sir? Yeah, I like that. I like that, Amy. Um, the, this struck me as, is, is like going, going down the road of, uh, of, of Wu Wei. And, uh, I heard it described as, a um, like a, a jazz musician, um, spends hours and hours a day practicing the, the chromatic scales and, and this, that, and the other, and, 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 and lays down the, the foundation so that, so that, uh, in concert, in the moment, in the flow, um, beautiful things just sort of happen. Um, but if, but if there was no practice, uh, like you would just end up with a steaming pile of shit if you just tried to just riff on, you know, with, with nothing. And, and so you have, uh, buddy, your story of the, the student and the master, uh, the student, you know, um, tried to get it, went away, practiced, came back, still didn't have it, was trying too hard, goes away, comes back, goes away, comes back. Finally, having had all that practice goes, ah, screw it, and then boom, it's in the moment, right? Screw your your thing here. And and I see the 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 toothless old man as as the one who has practiced all his life. He's worn down those teeth and can effortlessly just fall asleep you know, in the deep, dark night. And for me, like Amy, to take it back to recovery, it's that self-knowledge avails us nothing. I mean, we have to have it, right, to know that we're an alcoholic, to know that, oh, okay, we need to do these steps and these things, uh, but day-to-day, I just need to be doing. I need to be calling another alcoholic. I need to be, you know, uh, working the steps, and I need to be uh, practicing these principles in all our affairs. So, uh, yeah, I, I really I really like this, but it, 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 it uh, I don't know, it confused me. I was, I was trying, I think, to overthink the whole thing, and I kind of, uh, let it all go and it, uh, uh, popped in my head, but even, even saying that, I probably, I probably screwed it up. So that's all I got. Thank you, Bish. That's good. Thank you, sir. Good stuff. I think there's always this element of overthinking for me. Mm-hmm. Always I'm overthinking. And this is teaching me that it's not about my thinking. It's about my surrender. For me, it's always, you know, and the idea of the uh, student and the master reminds me of my moment of surrender after trying to get sober for six years. I finally said, okay, either this works or it doesn't. I was basically saying, God, you can shove it up your ass is what I was doing, you know. And and then all of a sudden it started working. And for most of us, I don't know anyone that it doesn't take a crisis of some type to come to that moment of surrender you know which probably has some anger in it and some frustration and all those things that's i think that's just part of the formula to see this i know what it is for me 
Because if I don't get, if I'm not aggravated, if I'm not disturbed, I'm not going to make any changes. Why should I give up if I don't need to? You know? Yeah. Good stuff. Thank you, guys. Oh, I liked your, Amy, what you were talking about, about a, a child and how a child approaches life. I, I really do. I agree with you. I think that's where we're supposed to be is this is giving us our childhood freedom back. So I think that's what the steps do. Because when you think as a child, we've talked about this in like in the podcast sometime in the way past, not lately, I don't think. I mean, my my children, their job was pretty simple when they were three, four years old. It was uh, to do what they were told and share what they were given. And that was pretty much it. And what they were told to do was never anything that they couldn't do at that age. They were, they were capable of doing anything they were asked. But they weren't asked to do things they couldn't do. And I remember my daughter, she was like three or four, and said uh, she wanted something. I said, honey, we just don't have the money for that right now. She said, well, just go get some more out of the machine. <laughs> she had no idea where it came from. Yeah, you know? it came from that machine. Go to the machine and get some more. You know, <laughs> well, just go get some more, Daddy. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, when we think about it, I-, I believe that when we learn to turn our will and our life over to the care of God, as in the third step or the decision we make in the third step that everything else teaches us, helps us to do, because that's just the decision. And the rest of the steps are what cause us to start turning those things over and letting go. We don't, I don't turn them over in the third step. I just decide to. And when I work four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then work 10, 11, 12 on a daily basis, that's when I start letting go. That's when I start surrendering. When I get in situations where I have to choose to love you instead of tell you to fuck off, that's letting go. You know, that's letting go. It is for me. I have to be put in a crisis situation to do that. Marla, you got, I'm sure you got something on that. I was just laughing because I was. Oh, you're, you're muted again, dear. Like, don't you just say under your breath, some or like in to yourself, like, oh, fuck off to that person. You're <laughs> like, you're, making every effort to remain really calm, but in your heart, you're going, oh, fuck you. <laughs> I guess the goal is not to think, fuck you also. The goal is to think, oh, you're such a lovely person. Thanks for hurting me. <laughs> well, what happens, Marla, I think, or does for me is I handle a situation better. And then I realize after the fact, like the night self promises talk about, I realize I didn't get pissed off like I would have before. That's what happens for me. We're learning to handle things better. And I mean, the same shit's going to keep happening, but we we handle it differently. Our nature changes. Our nature changes. Yeah. And I needed to do that to get sober, to stay sober. I needed to make those drastic changes. An entire interior redesign is what I call it. And it started from the inside out for me, you know. Only, yeah. Anything else, guys, before we close? I think we're good. All right. Well, thank thank you you all for a good conversation. And we will see you next week.
Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.